Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk. Hope you're all doing great. Got to see some really good games yesterday. Had a game two between Toronto and Boston. And we had a game seven between Denver and Utah. And we're gonna unpack what we saw from the games and what did we learn and what to expect going forward as one team is ready to get their series going and the other team is looking for answers after game two. So, with that being said, let's kick off talking about game two between the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics take a 2-0 lead over Toronto. They win by a score of 102 to 99. This game was telling for a lot of reasons. Toronto came out with a much better effort in game two compared to how they looked in game one where they were blown out by 20 some points. And we saw something that we should have expected from Boston. They really tried to make Siakam and Van Fleet shoot the ball more so than they tried to do in game one because Van Fleet has struggled in game one with his shot. So they tried to get him kind of boxed out and closed in. Siakam, they were really trying to see if they could get him to do what he tried to do in game one. So Boston kind of threw a lot of uh, looks at Toronto early on and to Toronto's credit they adjusted well as they really played well for most of this game. Uh, Toronto answered the answered the bell. They looked more more comfortable running their offense and getting their sets. So Boston, whatever they're trying to do early on in that game, Toronto adjusted. You know, you had Siakam making the right passes to the right guys. You know, you saw the bigs play a little bit better than they played in game one. But it came down to keeping that momentum. And Toronto started out this game with a lot of momentum. We're looking good on offense. You saw Lowry and Siakam kind of score, but not doing that in a usual way. They were moving the ball well. They ran their offense. They forced Boston to rotate a lot. Which is something they didn't do in the first game. They really challenged Boston down low, tried to make them kick the ball out, take a second, third look at the shot, so it was working for most of the game, but the Raptors' inability to shoot down the stretch really put them away in this game, and what I mean by that is that they were looking good until the third quarter, but then they struggled to hit shots especially towards the end of the third quarter and then to the fourth where, you know, you felt like Boston's defense just really put them in a bad spot. I mean, there were guys making a lot of not-so-good shots. There were some calls that didn't go Toronto's way. And so 
you know, you had guys just not being able to make shots, and that really affected them. Jason Tatum for Boston had 34 points. He was sensational. Really just making any shot he could. And you wonder, you know, defensively, can they find a way to slow him down and limit him? Because that's the key for Toronto. They want to come back in this series. Got to be able to shut down Jason Tatum or reduce his overall efficiency rate in this game. They'll have a chance. Now, Siakam, as I mentioned, he played a little bit better, but... It comes down to him just not making enough shots. He had 17 points, but he shot 6 of 16 from the floor. That's not going to get it done. Now, he had the same kind of thing in game one. I give him credit, he had a nice uh, fourth quarter where they, you know, kind of dumped him in the low post and then he passed out to Van Fleet, who made a three. But. Toronto just cannot get stops. And that's the problem. They cannot get stops when they need the most. They kept trying to throw different looks at Boston. But Boston just has an array of shooters. Guys who can really play well. And Marcus Smart had a great fourth quarter. He scored 16 points. You know on a shooting display in the fourth quarter where he was just making shots over all of them. Anobi and Siakam, Van Fleet. Uh, it was just a very impressive effort from Marcus Smart who has been underrated for a while and he's one of the best defensive players on that team. And so he came out playing really well in the fourth quarter. I think Toronto missed Maybe 23 of 28 shots over a stretch in the third to fourth quarter, which put them behind in this game. They did have a lead, kind of let that go. And Boston just stayed patient, resilient, not letting the lead too much affect them. And they made it a game. And then Campbell Walker really took over late, where he had some clutch shots, a nice jumper over I think Siakam or I know one of those guys Walker uh, ended up playing really really well down the stretch and you know you had guys just on Boston really being able to have an impact defensively as Toronto have a chance to tie the game and Van Fleet ended up missing a three-pointer. So, a lot of things that Toronto did right in this game, but they couldn't execute down the stretch. And that's one of the things that Toronto needs to fix quickly because now they're down 2-0, and their chances of making this a series go longer are slipping away. They're slipping away, and... They're going to need more from Siakam. He's got to be the man for Toronto. I don't think Van Fleet can continue to play the way he is playing. He needs to do a much better job of finishing and playing some defense. Especially on Campbell Walker if he has that matchup on him. Toronto needs more consistent effort from 
their starting five. Need more impact from their starting five. Because Boston just seems to have it clicking right now. And if they're not able to find a rhythm as a team when they're on the floor, then they're going to have a tough time winning this series. See, Van Fleet had 19 points. Had 19 points, but he shot 8 of 22 from the floor. He had a lot of opportunities in this game. Like I said, Boston tried to make sure that Van Fleet, Lowry were shooting most of the shots. Because of Siakam, they can throw a bunch of guys at him. And Siakam got to the line a couple of times in this game. But they're trying to make Siakam the facilitator. And he's trying to make the right pass. The guys are making, making their shots. And it's working. So for Nick Nurse, you know, what is he going to do different? You know, will he have to consider going small or trying to put an effort on double teaming Tatum more and trying to match Boston's rotation? That's going to be important if Toronto has a chance to win this game. I have said it before and I'll say it again. Ibaka, Gasol, Anobi. They're going to have to do a much better job as well. Now, Gasol is up there in age, so you don't expect him to contribute a whole lot. But he's got to do a better job of boxing out and at least challenging at the rim. Because they have the ability to play big and really make things difficult. For Boston, if they can just lock in defensively, there were a couple of key possessions yesterday which Toronto just could not execute and make their shot. They gotta be able to execute, find who has the hot hand, and go with it. Really think that Lowry, Van Fleet are gonna have to do a better job of shooting on the outside, and they've gotta get Siakam the ball more than they've already had so far in this series. He's got to be even more smarter with his shots because some of the shots that he's taking, they're just not good shots. So a lot of things for Toronto to figure out quickly as Game 3 is upon them. And Boston is going to need to do their best. They're going to rely on Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. And it's going to come down to can Toronto execute, can they get themselves in a position where they're late in the game and they can execute, make a shot and go ahead. That'll be important for sure if they want to make this a series. So now that brings me to the other game of the night. It's game seven between Denver, Denver and Utah. Uh, these two teams battling back and forth all series long. Utah was up 3-1 in this series. And, you know, Denver was 
on the brink and we saw Jamal Murray go for it. He really put on a show in games five and six along with the rest of the Denver players to force a game seven. Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, two exceptional players in their prime playing so well back and forth and this game seven was really really cool. It was really intense. It was a unique finish to the game as we saw opportunities that were missed, opportunities that could have converted into, you know, game-winning shots and it was a fun game back and forth. A lot of action. For most of this game it looked like Denver was going to pull away early and then somehow Utah recovered and made a game. Denver won by the score of 80-78. to 78. They advanced to face the Clippers in the second round. It was a great game. We saw the Nuggets become the 12th team in NBA history to overcome a 3-1 deficit. As I mentioned before, the Nuggets were in control most of this game, but they blew a 19-point lead. And we knew that Utah has the ability to be proficient, and really do a good job of shooting and that's what kind of happened is that they forced their way back in the game made it interesting late especially as we saw Mitchell making some impressive layups and of course Clarkson chipping in as well Gobert having a nice okay game with 18 points I think but what this came came down to was, you know, Denver had tied the game up, or the Jazz had tied the game up at 78, and Denver decided to go to Nikola Jochik for the for the game-winning basket, where he matched up against Gobert. Um, nice, nice offense as he. You know, really made a nice shot over Gobert with this, with this, with the steps and and movement. It was a really good shot by Jochik against Gobert that put the Nuggets up against 80, 80-78. And so, you know, we saw Utah have a chance actually before that display actually happened. You know, Utah. You know, Mike Conley, who really didn't have he had a rough night shooting. You know, he was trying to get them in position to, to tie the tie the game, and he threw an alley oop to Gobert, who dunked. But the referees missed a huge call that may have gone in Denver's in Utah's favor. Now, a lot of calls are missed in playoff games, and some should be called and some shouldn't be called. That situation. You know, Conley trying to drive up. He alley-oops it up to Gobert for a dunk. They were down, you know, 76-78. And he throws up the alley-oop and Gobert dunks it. But in that process of dunking it, he was hit right in the face, right in the eye by Mason Plumley. You see, they should have called that. It should have been an and one. And... 
it just happens in competition such the angle as such the referee probably didn't see it right nor did they review it I mean it should have been called and you know that might have been a small difference in the game because you know Utah did have a chance at the end to win the game but that missed call had a little bit to do with you know Denver winning got a little lucky with that and so you know, down 8 to 78, Utah got the ball. That they called timeout because they couldn't inbound the ball. It was Denver's defense was really set and locked in. So after the timeout was used by Denver, or sorry, by Utah, you had Mitchell get the ball. And Mitchell against Gary Harris of the Denver Nuggets. Mitchell got by uh, Gary Harris a bit. With a you know kind of behind the back kind of crossover, but Gary Harris recovered just in well in time to poke the ball loose, and Denver got the ball, ran up the court, and Craig missed a layup, and the ball ended up in Mike Conley's hands. Mike Conley uh, ran up, um, made a little bit of a move, and tried to make the three pointer, and it just buzzed out the buzzer beater so you know Conley had a great look at three it was a nice shot at the end you know he had somewhat of an elevation to make that shot just rimmed out and Denver advanced to the next round and you could just see how much respect and emotion Mitchell had he thought that was a good shot everybody thought that that shot would have gone in but it didn't go in and you know, Conley having a rough night, like I said before, he wasn't shooting the ball particularly well. But that was the best look that he could have got in that situation. They had no timeouts. They um, ended up just having him run the ball and take that shot. Now, something to remember is that, you know, they had two timeouts and... They had to use one of those timeouts because they couldn't inbound the ball. And that just came to Denver kind of locking in, not letting Mitchell get the ball. And so, a great game back and forth, a wild sequence of events. You know, Conley came coming back, played extremely well in some early games. But then this game in itself just did not have it going. And that shot just, you know, rimmed out. So, an impressive game, back and forth, you know, that missed call, obviously, something minor, but something that people should know about is that they could have called that foul, but they didn't, and then, you know, Mitchell against Gary Harris, what a play defensively by Gary Harris to recover and poke the ball out of Mitchell's hands, and so, you know... There's great potential for Mitchell going forward. He really put on a show. Jamal Murray had a nice game. He had 17 points in this game. But Yorchik was the star of this game. Yorchik was the star of this game. He had 30 points. Game-winning basket. And Denver just really never gave up. They kept fighting. Kept fighting. Each game, they were down. And... Defensively, they really made some key plays down the stretch. You know, Mike Conley had some turnovers. Gobert struggled quite a bit. 
towards the end. And Mitchell, an exceptional player. Just, you know, a tough moment for him there where, you know, he just got to do a better job of knowing what is around him. And, you know, Utah just missed out. Had a great shot to win the game and they just missed it. So Denver advances to play the Clippers. Should be a much better matchup, I think, than we saw in the first round the Clippers and Mavericks. Even though Donchick put on the show uh, and it was tremendous in that, you know, this series and stuff, Denver actually has more players who can give the Clippers problems. So that'll be a fascinating series to watch as. And we'll see how it shakes out and looking forward to breaking down what happens next in these playoffs as we'll most likely get another game seven tonight between Houston and Oklahoma City. And we might see the Bucks and Heat go at it. So we'll see how Giannis responds. And what will James Harden and Westbrook do? As Allah is riding on Houston in Game 7. And this franchise, as they really have to come out and win this game. Or else Houston's going to have a lot of problems heading to next season.